Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tremel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol, as lawmakers advance a bill to make school board races partisan. It's a shell game from the standpoint we're not being transparent with the voters, right? At the end of the day, the reason why we join political parties is to affiliate with like-minded people. Open government advocates reveal Governor DeSantis's U.S.-Mexico border mission and fundraising efforts in Texas came at a higher cost to Florida taxpayers. Florida actually spent $1.6 million, so over a million dollars more than what the governor's office told the Miami Herald originally. And a Democratic congressional candidate in South Florida has filed suit to get his primary lost erase, claiming his opponent bribed voters with the promise of free money. They actually uh, asked the election clerks, where do they go to get the $1,000 after they voted? So certainly it was very misleading. Today's Sunrise interview is with Pamela Marsh, president of the First Amendment Foundation, who recently helped the Miami Herald obtain public records which uncovered the true costs to taxpayers from Governor DeSantis's decision to deploy Florida resources to the U.S. southern border in Texas over the summer. Both Republican governors criticized the Biden administration for not doing enough to stop immigrants from coming across the border. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. The following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Everyone loves a win-win, and if you're a fan of sports betting, you can win-win too. Billions of dollars for education, legal sports betting for you. We're Florida Education Champions, and our petition brings competition and choice to legal sports betting in Florida and gives all the tax revenue to public education. That's a win for you and our kids. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at floridaeducationchampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, December 1st. Today is Rosa Parks Day. The civil rights hero is honored twice a year on February 4th and December 1st. On this day in 1955, Parks refused to surrender her bus seat to a white passenger and was arrested, sparking a 381-day bus boycott led by Martin Luther King Jr. On this day in 1981, the first World AIDS Day was held to raise awareness of the AIDS pandemic and to mourn those who have died from the disease. Republican Senator Joe Gruters is leading an effort to make Florida's school board races partisan contests. He says it's all about transparency. Here he is presenting his bill, SJR 244, and his rationale behind it before the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee on Tuesday. So my goal is to create the transparency so everybody knows from the get-go, so the partisan activity that you see surrounding school board races, we can eliminate it and, 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 and eliminate the trickery and the games that are played all, all across the state. Democrats raised concerns that Florida's closed primary system would effectively cut large swaths of voters out of the process. Democratic Senator Annette Tadeo asked about other possible fallout. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, do you think like it would turn into what judges do, where everyone is an NPA? You're recognized to respond. You could run, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and you could certainly run as an MPA, but I think that, 
I, here's what I think will happen. I mean, if you look in counties that you represent, uh, my guess is most Democrats will probably win the school board races. Counties that I represent, my guess is Republicans will win. Get this, the bill cleared the committee on a partisan vote with Republicans in favor and Democrats against. Social media was on the docket on Tuesday. Republican Senator Danny Burgess is pushing a bill that would require etiquette training on how to use the many social media tools out there, which he says he's struggling to keep up with. All these different <laughs> platforms that are out there, you know, I'm not very savvy with them. I have my government stuff that I utilize and my, I, I, other than that, I don't have a personal page. So it's hard for me to talk to my kids who are coming up in age about these risks. And so I think having this education set in, in, in not just statute, but at the school level, it's going to make sure that it captures all students um, of all ages and all areas. SB 480 calls on the Department of Education to develop a curriculum about the advantages, dangers and proper use of social media. The bill advanced. Another bill that extends the liability protections for health care providers against COVID-19 related claims got approval in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Senate Bill 7014 passed 7 to 4 down party lines with Democrats like Senator Tina Polsky voting against it. Now we want to extend the amount of time that we are allowing for uh, COVID liability protection when those folks aren't even given the full opportunity to protect their staff and protect their patients. The current law that shields businesses and healthcare providers from COVID-19 related lawsuits was one of the first passed by the legislature during the 2021 session. The law makes clear that to successfully sue a healthcare provider for COVID-19, the plaintiff must prove gross negligence or intentional misconduct. While general businesses were provided indefinite immunity liability protections, healthcare providers were afforded such protection only through March of 2022. Dale Holness, the Democratic congressional candidate who lost a special election primary by five votes, has filed two lawsuits asking the results to be thrown out. I believe that this will help to shed light on the situation and probably bring some resolution for the future so there's more clarity as the process and, and, and people have a better understanding. That's Holness speaking with NBC6 in South Florida. He alleges Sheila Sherfulis McCormick's support of a proposal that would pay most U.S. adults $1,000 per month was an attempt to illegally bribe voters. And people had a real expectation that once they voted, they would get $1,000. They actually... Uh, ask the election clerks where do they go to get the thousand dollars after they voted so certainly it was very misleading this is what sherfulis mccormick had to say to nbc6 about the suit it's sad and disappointing that instead of respecting the wish of the voters that he's trying to extend the process and overturn what the voters already decided Holness says Sherfulis McCormick should be disqualified because she did not file a financial disclosure form with the U.S. House. In his lawsuits, Holness points to several campaign flyers and billboards where Sherfulis McCormick touts support for her People's Prosperity Plan, which calls for the federal government to pay $1,000 to every adult who makes less than $75,000 annually. According to the AP, while some progressive Democrats have supported such plans, there's no chance one would pass in the foreseeable future. Let's get transparent with today's Sunrise interview, which features Pamela Marsh, president of the First Amendment Foundation. 
where I serve on the board. Marsh recently assisted the Miami Herald to obtain public records surrounding the governor's mission to help Texas by deploying Florida personnel to the U.S. southern border to help patrol the border to prevent immigrants from crossing. Here is Texas Governor Greg Abbott thanking Governor DeSantis during his visit to the border in July. Texas and, and me personally, we thank uh, Governor DeSantis and as well as the other officials from Florida who are here with us today. We appreciate uh, your support, uh, whether it be in personnel resources, whether it be aircraft, whether it be boats. Uh, but we need all the manpower we can get uh, to repel the incredible number, the record-breaking number of people who are, who are coming across the border. But how much did this mission cost Florida taxpayers? DeSantis used the event as a fundraising tool, which was heavily criticized by his opponents, claiming it was a giant photo op to advance his national standings. Politics aside, let's focus on access to public records. And that's where Pamela Marsh comes in. All right, so Pamela Marsh, welcome to Sunrise. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Tramiel. Ah, so glad to have you. Remembering back over the summer, Governor DeSantis sent dozens of Florida law enforcement officers and equipment to the southern border of Texas. He claims it was a needed measure for beefing up security at the border while critics blasted the move as a stunt to further his own political ambitions. Of course, we were all wondering the cost of this exercise, and I saw the Miami Herald pursued those figures along with the help of the foundation. So tell us about what were some of the findings there? Well, this has been a project we've been working on for some time, not just on this issue, but on other issues as well, to get a feel for how agencies are responding to public record requests. We've heard of long delays. We've heard of really high fees. So we picked a few issues that we were interested in and we started sending out public records requests. This one was started in early October. So in October 5th, 6th, that area, a couple of our board members sent public records requests to FDLE, the Florida Highway Patrol, and the Fish and Wildlife Commission, asking for the cost of this travel and resources that were being sent to Texas to help protect the border there by Governor DeSantis. So it took a really long time. That's one of the things we learned from this. It took a really long time. Um, the last bunch of records we got were received yesterday. It took approximately two months to get the records. And what was originally reported by the Miami Herald, Ana Ceballos had done a really nice article on November 10th saying that the information she received from the governor's office was approximately $570,000 had been spent doing this project in Texas. What we found was that between the three agencies, Florida actually spent $1.6 million. So over a million dollars more than what the governor's office told the Miami Herald originally. What were their explanation for that wide gap in the figures? Well, one of the explanations given was that they hadn't received all of the bills or invoices yet. And at the time, the numbers were correct. But the mission, the, the, the border protection project, <laughs> the border protection project was finished in August. 
And those numbers were supposed to be correct in September. So for them to change so dramatically by the end of November, it just doesn't make sense. And I guess the real crux of the issue for the foundation is the speed and the time of making available these public records that should be available to the public. What would be a reasonable amount of time for them to, to or where should they be putting this information? You know, Florida's law says that the records have to be promptly provided in or provided in a reasonable time. The case law says a, a limited reasonable time. Other states have different time limits, actual days that are required. Um, some are 10 day requirements. The records have to be provided in 10 days or some even have three days with the option for an extension if it's a complicated record request. We don't have that in our law. And we've just been seeing these timeframes get longer and longer. Uh, the other thing that we have been seeing as well is the agencies are charging higher and higher fees for producing the records. Um, it's against the law for the agencies to make a profit on producing records that are owned by the taxpayer and are our records. But we are seeing these fees, um, which apparently they're charging for actual work going up into the thousands of dollars. In fact, in the Miami Herald article, Ana Ceballos wrote that these costs don't include fuel costs for FHP. And when our board member asked the Florida Highway Patrol's public records custodian, if we could have those numbers for the fuel costs, we were told it would cost us $100 to get that additional information. Where do we go from here? I think it's like an ongoing battle. And of course, I know all too well since I'm part of the foundation. Would a time frame help this situation since we see these elected officials are more or offices are more apt to take as much time as they'd like? I would love to see a time frame added. Um, I think the citizens have spoken. They love their public records. Um, they want to know and be able to see what their government is doing. And, you know, as the Supreme Court once said, news delayed is news denied. And so if you can't get the records, then the moment that it's really news, which really should have been back in October or September, now becomes November or December. So I think a time frame for production of records would really help. We've been talking about proposing some legislation on that. Um, and we've also been talking about a fee waiver for students doing research, journalists, nonprofits. Now, if someone's going to make, you know, if it's a corporation getting public records so they can do some sort of solicitation, I don't have a problem with charging a fee so much there. But, you know, I think fees could be waived for nonprofits and researchers and journalists. Um, those people really need accurate information and accurate sources now, maybe more than ever. And to that point, as we wrap up, I think it's important to note the wide interest in the vast industries that have an interest in public records. And it's not always just 
journalists and media outlets that are seeking public records. Oh, that's absolutely right. You know, we want to teach students to get to the main source. So we want students to be able to get public records. We want citizens to be able to get public records so that they know what decisions their local governments are making and their state governments. Um, and as a lawyer, I will tell you in private practice, I used the public records law to try to get information um, as I was trying to prove my case for my client. So there are a lot of professions, um, you know, developers and, and people looking at land, they need public records. Um, it's, it's a crux of our democracy that we are entitled to know what our government is doing. Well, Pamela Marsh, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me. I really appreciate your time. It has been my pleasure, Tramel, and we are so fortunate to have you on our board at the Florida First Amendment Foundation. And just remember us in your end of year giving and support our work, um, if you can do that. We uh, are a nonprofit, we're a nonpartisan nonprofit, and we'd love to have your support. Special thanks to Pamela Marsh with the First Amendment Foundation. Here's your calendar of events. The Senate Banking and Insurance Committee will take up Senate Bill 312, filed by Republican Senator Manny Diaz, that would allow telehealth providers to issue renewal prescriptions for types of controlled substances. That's at 8.30. The House Civil Justice and Property Rights Subcommittee will take up House Bill 31, filed by Republican Demi Busada Cabrera that would shield firefighters from being threatened with suspensions, transfers, or termination during informal inquiries into alleged misconduct. That's at 11. The House Infrastructure and Tourism Appropriations Subcommittee will receive an update about modernization of the state unemployment program's computer system. At noon, Democratic Representative Andrew Learned and Republican Representative Spencer Roach will be hosting a press conference to discuss House Bill 679, which is about cannabis regulation. At 12.30, Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed will hold a press conference with Democratic Senator Gary Farmer and Democratic Representative Kelly Skidmore to discuss their legislative efforts to protect the environment, promote clean energy, and build a more sustainable future. The House Early Learning and Elementary Education Subcommittee will take up House Bill 225, filed by Republican Representative Fred Hawkins, that would allow charters to be changed for charter schools. The Senate Health and Human Services Appropriations Subcommittee will hold a panel discussion about visitation in long-term care facilities. Visitation was restricted last year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the House Justice Appropriations Subcommittee will receive a presentation from the Florida Department of Corrections about a consolidation plan within the system. That's at 3.30. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tremel Gomes, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.